I love the irony of preaching a sermon on rest on Mother's Day, right? Uh, Because Jesus, I mean, he just said, I am Lord of the Sabbath, right? Lord of rest. And if there's anything all moms have in common, right? It's exhaustion, isn't it? In fact, I I have this sort of uh, personal policy um, when I'm preaching. Um, It might surprise some of you, but I actually, every every week, I I see a few people sleeping. No, it's, it's shocking when I'm that interesting. Um, and, and when I see you sleeping, I, of course, judge you, okay? Um, because if you really loved Jesus, you'd be listening. But that's, that's another. Except, listen, except, and I'm not, I'm not making this up, except when I see a mom with young kids sleeping. Uh, when, I, when that happens, I'm like, oh, good for her, right? Because <laughs> that, that might just be the best use of her time, right? I mean, seriously, all right, these are the conversations I have in my head while, while I'm, I'm up here. So moms, that's, that's my gift to you, nighty-night, uh, and, and you're welcome. Uh, but seriously, though, right, mom or not, who's not tired? I mean, any, anymore, it's just the world that we live in. We're, we're all exhausted in a variety of ways. The chaos around us and within us keeps us tired. I mean, students, you've got too much homework, right? Too many exams, projects extracurricular activities. Uh, for others of us, it's, it's the boss who keeps demanding more, right? Or, or that internal drive to do and do and do, or just the ceaseless quest to make ends meet, right? And with every longing, every pleading, right, for the day to be just a little bit longer, it persists on being 24, right? I mean, did you, did you realize that in the 1850s, the average American slept nine and a half hours every night? In 1950, it was eight hours. Now it's seven. So how much more do you plan on scraping off? And we know that it's, it's killing us, right? Because not, not only, I mean, with technology, I mean, the, the great thing is now we can work anywhere, right? Which very quickly translates into us just working everywhere. And it'll be the death of us, not not just physically, but even in, our, even in our souls. And I think we know it, right? I think we do. Maybe not, but listen to this. One author writes, he says, spiritual growth does not happen by running faster. What keeps many of us from growing is not sin, but speed. We are going as fast as we can, living life at a dizzying speed, and God is nowhere to be found. We're not rejecting God. We just don't have time for him. We've lost him in the blurred landscape as we rush to church We don't struggle with the Bible, with the clock. It's not that we're too decadent, we're too busy. We don't feel guilty because of sin, but because we have no time for our spouses, our children, or our God. It's not sinning too much that's killing our souls. It's our schedule that's annihilating us. Most of us don't come home at night staggering drunk. Instead, we come home staggering tired, worn out, exhausted, and drained because we live too fast. It's a little bit like a two-by-four to the face, isn't it? I mean, if you're listening, right, it's, it's not just our sins that are killing us. It's our schedules. We're just too hurried to follow Jesus. Like, it's not even necessarily that we mean not to. We just don't have time to, right? And, and for some of us, the, the reason the life we long to live feels just out of reach, for some of us, it's just that we're, we're just too weary to get up and, and get it. And I think, 
think we know it. And yet, as it says um, a few years back in Oprah's magazine, it's one of my favorite periodicals, um, <laughs> whatever, but this, this quote is great. Uh, it's, it says in it, the things you do when you're tired, like reaching for the fourth cup of coffee, the remote, the cupcakes, are almost never the things that'll get you untired. And so here's what we see this morning from these stories. Here's what Matthew is trying to convince us of, that that you don't just need a a vacation. You don't just need a day off or a nap or a break from the kids. You don't just need summer break or a promotion or an assistant or less work or a night out or a night in or a new show to watch. And sure, you you might need those things, but if that's all you're after, you will die exhausted. What Matthew shows us this morning is that you don't just need a rest. You need the Lord of rest. You don't don't just need the rest, right? You don't just need a break or a way to escape. What you need, what I need most is the Lord of rest. Only then will we actually rest. Okay, so we're in Matthew 12. If you've got a Bible, feel free to jump in and follow along with us. But you might recall if you were here last week that at the end of 11, uh, Jesus invites us into his yoke. Uh, he, he tells us that, that in, in relationship to him, submitting to him, connected with him, that is the only way that we will find rest for our souls. And he invites us to that place. And then in, in chapter 12, Matthew shows us these two stories, essentially to sort of uh, show that Jesus has the authority to give us the rest that we long for. That he's not just speaking empty words, but it's more than that for Jesus. And as we tell these stories this morning, We're going to point out three things along the way, three observations. First, that rest is a person, not an activity. Second, rest is a delight, not a duty. And then finally, that rest is a gift. So enjoy it. All right, three things. And I know know it feels impossible. I know for some of you, you've already sort of written this off, right? This is just going to be a waste of time in your mind. Because you've tried it, right? And you just, you expect that everything that happens in this, this time, you're just gonna feel more guilty. You're gonna feel like you have more to do, more need to rest and more inability to actually accomplish it. And I get that. I'm, I am right with you. This has been a hard week for me trying to think through how we embrace a text so difficult in a culture that's so fast-paced as ours. I get it, okay? And yet what, what you need more than a few practices or goals or habits is the Lord of rest. And Matthew shows us who this God is. And he invites us in. Okay, so Jesus and his disciples, this is the first story now, the beginning of chapter 12. Uh, Jesus and his disciples are out on a walk, right? And it just so happens it's the Sabbath, right? That's a, a Saturday for them. And, and the Sabbath, I mean, it's a big deal, right? It's a day of rest. If you know kind of the Old Testament story, like, you know, God rested from his work in creation on the seventh day, you know, not because God was tired, but to show us what it looks like to live into the rhythms that he calls us, that he calls us to. And he commanded his people to do the same. And so uh, Jesus and his disciples are walking through a grain field. You got to kind of picture it, right? Uh, they're walking through, you can kind of picture a path kind of right through it. There's fields on both sides. And the disciples are getting a little bit snacky. And so they do what is very normal in that culture, was just sort of socially accepted practice. They start ripping off the heads of grain and, you know, chewing on the wheat berries as they go. Just a little snack, right? It's a normal thing to do, but not on the Sabbath. Technically, what they're harvesting grain is what they're doing, right? I mean, God forbid for a few bites. And the Pharisees, that's the religious leaders, 
I mean, these, these are the ones who are really angry at Jesus for the way he's up overthrowing their sense of power and their understanding of ways in which we encounter God. They have, they have no room for Jesus, and the Pharisees are ticked at this. Just one more thing that they can be mad at for Jesus for. Now, this was it. This, what they're doing, it's not against the Old Testament law, but it was against sort of the, the oral tradition, the laws that the, the Pharisees had developed over time. They put laws and laws and laws and laws around God's laws in fear that they would break God's laws, and so they, they made it into something, something more. I mean, plucking a few heads of grain hardly constitutes as real work, right? Boy, did it cause a commotion. I mean, you see, the Sabbath was a big deal for them. Maybe just stop and think about it for a second, okay? You probably heard of the Ten Commandments, right? This is one of God's top ten things for humanity. I mean, think about that. Like, if you were God and you were to come up with a list, like, here are the top ten things that humans should do or not do. Can you believe that God would put on there? Take a day off. Rest a little bit. And so for them, this is, this is a big deal. Take a day off rest, which was always meant to be a gift to God's people. It's God saying, you can rest. I will take care of you, right? I am God. You are not. But the Pharisees had taken all the joy right out of it. They'd missed the point, right? They'd heaped up all these burdens on top of it, making it simply a bunch of, of rules that they had to obey, a drudgery. And so Jesus calls them out on it. Basically, he says, come on, right? People, this is not what God intended when he gave you the law. And then, and then Jesus gives two examples of this. Two examples from the Old Testament. The first, first is a story where, where David, who would, who would become the king, uh, he and his men are running from Saul. Uh, Saul's trying to kill them, and they, they are you know, just trying to stay alive. And they're starving, like truly hungry. And so they go to the temple, and they eat the bread there that's only meant for the priests. But they're starving. And they're not condemned for it. Because the law is meant for, for our good, for our flourishing, not, not as a prison to keep us in chains, but as, as a place of, of hope and freedom and restoration for us. And, and the, second, the second example is, is similar. He mentions the, the priests, how the priests, they had to work on the Sabbath, right? Doing their religious duties, just, just as like for me, this is not a day off, right? I mean, some of you probably think this is the only day I work a week, but whatever. Um, <laughs> But the idea in the Old Testament, it's okay, right? The priests, they had to do their priestly work on the Sabbath, and it's okay. They're not condemned for it. Because again, the Sabbath is not meant to be a prison for us, but a place of freedom and joy. And so here's the real key then, as Jesus is giving them these examples. Jesus shows us what rest really means, and it's not simply an activity or a list of rules. He says, I tell you, Something greater than the temple is here, which is, I mean, those are big words, right? And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, is Lord of the Sabbath, God of rest. And this is so important if we're going to understand real rest. In fact, if you, if you miss this, listen, if you miss this first point, you will never rest. Weariness, you'll, you'll die weary, and weariness will haunt you in your grave. Rest is a person, not an activity. Rest is first of all a person, not an activity. Now, the activity of rest is important, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But it is first a person because, listen, the reason we are so weary 
It's not because we're too busy. Not really. Not if you think about it. Like we're always, humans are always busy. It's just it's part of being a human, right? It's just busyness is there. It's not simply because you're too busy. You have too much homework or emails, right? Or activities to be involved in or laundry piling up. You and I will always be busy. That's not why, we, that's not why we're weary or restless. The reason we don't rest is because ultimately we just don't, we don't trust the God of rest. We don't believe he's got it under control. One of, one of the most helpful articles on this was written several years ago in the New York Times uh, by a Jewish scholar. Uh, and she pro- provocatively declares that the reason we're restless ultimately uh, is because of what she refers to, and this, this has always stuck with me, um, it's because of what she refers to as the eternal inner murmur of self-reproach. That's what she calls it, the eternal inner murmur of self-reproach. That essentially that you and I, every one of us, whether you're a Christian or not, doesn't matter who you are, what culture you're in, that every human being has this voice inside of us constantly nagging. It never shuts up. And it's always saying, you're not good enough. You'll, you'll never measure up. You couldn't be loved. You'll, you'll never be safe. You'll never have enough, be enough. Nothing in your life, Matt. Const- I mean, do you know that voice? I mean, it's there. Whether you recognize it or not, we all hear that voice within us, this need to to prove ourselves, to feel good about ourselves, to protect ourselves, right? And and the busier we are, the more important we feel, right? The more more we're involved in, the safer and more more in control of my own life I I feel like I am. I mean, the more more activities we have our kids involved in, we can convince ourselves, well, I'm a good parent because my kids are so busy, right? And that voice keeps saying, work, 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 work. It'll never be enough. Work, work, work. And if all you ever do is take a day off or make it to summer break or avoid plucking a few heads of stupid grain, if that's all we ever do, the murmur is just going to keep murmuring. And every attempt at rest will just make you more restless. It'll never be enough. Because we continually ask our hectic schedules and exhausted lives to give us what only God can give us, don't we? Tell me I'm safe. Tell me I'm good. Tell me I'm loved. Tell me that, it's, that my life matters. Tell me that it's going to be okay. We beg our to-do list or our grades or our list of promotions or accolades or the number of activities we're involved in. We beg those things to tell us that I matter, to tell us that my life means something. We expect them to do what only God can do. That's why you don't just need a rest. You need the Lord of rest because only he can quiet the murmur. Only he can shut that voice up inside our heads and replace it with a new and better voice. Only he can tell you, you are safe. You are loved. You do matter. For this is what he's accomplished for us on the cross, which means, friends, I mean, this is good news, isn't it? This means that even when you're busy, exhausted, afraid, alone, overwhelmed, no matter how much chaos there is around you, if this is true, that means even then you can be at rest. Because rest is a person, it's not an activity. And the reality is if we miss that, the rest of what we have to say this morning is meaningless. So soak that in for a moment. Rest is a person, not an activity. Have you, have you trusted the God of rest? All right, there's more to this, though. There's another story. So it's after the field incident now. 
And Jesus goes to the synagogue, essentially kind of their, their church gathering. It's still the Sabbath. And the Pharisees, I mean, they just keep getting madder and madder and madder. And so they're just looking for any possible way they can get Jesus in trouble. They're trying to discredit him among the people. And I mean, just you got to like appreciate in a weird, twisted sort of way, how much they hate this guy, how much they hate Jesus, okay? Because here what, here's what they do next. So they're gathered at, at church, uh, essentially, and they go and they find this guy with a mangled hand to see if they can, they can tempt Jesus into healing him, right? Can you imagine? I mean, just think about that for a second. And even the fact, they, they know that he has the power to do miracles, but they don't care, they will do anything they possibly can to destroy the, him. And of course, Jesus, Jesus knows what's going on. So Jesus gives another example. He says to them, you know, and I just picture this guy. He's like, he's got his hand and it's not his fault and he's there. And just in the middle of this ugly scene. And, and Jesus turns to the, to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and says, well, if you were a shepherd and your sheep fell into a pit, and just so happened it was the Sabbath, would you just like, let it die? Or would you go and you'd like do something about it? Of course, the answer is you, you do something about it, right? It's, it's good. It's necessary. It, it was okay for them to respond in such a way. And so then Jesus says, of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and it was completely, it was restored healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. This is the first time in Matthew that, that Matthew tells us that they're ready to kill Jesus now. Like this is, this is the straw that breaks that camel's back. They're, now there's murder in store. They just can't handle what Jesus has done here. Which leads us to the second observation. Rest is a delight in what is good, not a duty to guidelines. Rest is a delight in what is good, not a duty to guidelines. For, for them, right, for the religious leaders, they thought they could find rest through their perfect obedience, right? By having enough laws and keeping all the laws. I mean, essentially, they thought they could make themselves good enough before God, right? By their own accomplishments. And there was their rest when they were good enough and they knew it, Right? And while some of us do the same, and even in similar ways, right? Many of us, legalism lives very easily inside our hearts, right? Because if you obey the rules, you can believe that you're good enough, right? You just make enough rules and whatever, you get it. Um, but for, for, for many of us, uh, the, the rules that we live by are much less religious and, and much more cultural, it's the same tension that is happening here, but, but just kind of a different context for many of us because the rules that we go to are rules like work is everything, right? Money is everything. Smart, talented kids is everything. That you're only as good as your accomplishments, right? Your life only matters if you produce. Those are the rules we run to. And listen, let me even just clarify here because if, if you've been around Christ's community any length of time, you know how much we value work here right? I mean, that the work you do, no matter what it is, whether you get paid for it or not, at home, at school, at work, volunteering, work matters. It matters deeply to God. The work that you do counts for something. And yet we so often take that and we either make work an idol, right? Begging it to tell us what only God can tell us. Or we turn it into this sort of drudgery, this slavery that we just have to sort of work until we die, Right? But you know why 
the Sabbath is so important in the Old Testament? At least a big part of it. I mean, it's what, it's what God tells them over and over again when he commands this, this Sabbath law. It's, it's essentially, it's that, it's that you're not slaves anymore. That's why, it, that's why it matters. When you were in Egypt, you had to work seven days a week. You didn't get a break. There was, no, there was no chance. You were a literal slave, but now I am your God and I will take care of you. You are my people. And so you can rest. That's, 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 the, that's the essence, really, of, of Sabbath. That rest is a delight in, in good, in the, in the good that God has done for us. The one thing that maybe caught me off guard just a little bit this week as I studied, I've never seen this in this text before, at least not in this way, is that rest, it's, it's also not a call to laziness. I mean, it's easy to think that, right? If I'm going to rest and it's like complete inactivity, um, and you know what I'm talking about. We, we somehow assume uh, that eight hours of TV or video games is going to leave us feeling refreshed, right? I mean, you've done that before. It doesn't, right? But we think, we think it does. We think that somehow the, the answer is just complete inactivity. But instead, what Jesus says here, it's so interesting to me. He says, so it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. That is actually right to do good. Actively working towards the good of others on the Sabbath, that there is some work that refreshes us, right? That delights us, that, that adds to us rather than taking away the, and, and finding ways to serve others, love others. That is the right kind of work for the Sabbath. Now let's pause here for a second because I, I think there's a, there's a risk happening, okay? If all you've heard so far is rest is a person, not an activity, um, and rest is a delight and good and good work and particular good service and, and not just a duty to guidelines. It'd be very easy at this point to just like walk out of here um, or more likely like sprint out of here and go back to our sort of breakneck pace of life, right? As if that's what Jesus wants for us. Well, it's not, okay, in case you're curious. So let me, let me go to the third observation here um, and really a place of some application. Rest is a gift, so enjoy it. It's a gift. We need rest in our lives. We need, we're too hurried. We can't even see the things whizzing by us in our lives, right? We can't even stop and slow down enough to take a breath to actually enjoy what God has placed before us. And if you want to honor Christ with your life, that means even honoring him with your schedule. Again, we don't think like that, do we? We think about the, the list of do's and don'ts. Honoring Christ means honoring with our schedules, the way that we use every minute of our time. And if you want to honor Christ in all things, let me just mention three quick next steps. Don't confuse the word quick with easy, though, um, just for the record. But I'll be, I'll be brief here. First, and this is where we started. First, you've got to trust the Lord of rest. If you don't trust him, no amount of naps or days off or summer breaks will ever restore you. If you, if you just skip to the sort of the practical things and say, I'm going I'm to try this and try this and then I'll be at rest, but you skip the fact that actually what you're called to is a person, you'll miss it, you'll die weary. Now, it's also true, I mean, if, if you think about this, like if you think that you can find Jesus simply by turning off your email once a week, you're wrong. It's not, it's not as easy as just setting this sort of a, this external standard around us. It's not going to happen like that. 
And yet at the same time, if you can't turn off your email once a week, maybe you haven't met him yet because he calls us into a life of of rest with him, even in the midst of chaos and work. You have to trust him. You have to believe that he is God, not you, and you have to let him run the universe for a while and believe that he's going to do a fine job without you. And I know, I know some of the objections, right? Because I have them as well. I mean, I'm totally with you on all this. This is hard stuff. But like, one of the easy objections to go to is, well, life was simpler back then, right? They could take a day off. They didn't have to worry about like soccer practice and things like that. Well, that's true. They didn't, they didn't have soccer practice. Um, but you do realize like they just worked to stay alive, right? Like they worked hard so their kids wouldn't starve to death. But you're right. It's way harder for us right? I mean, even just think for a second, like, what's the worst that could happen in my life if I tried to find a way to discipline myself on a regular rhythm of rest? Like, what's the worst thing, right? Chances are you'll survive, right? And maybe be better as a result. I mean, just think about how much they had to trust to take times for rest. Will you trust him? Only he can quiet the murmur anyway. Only he can tell you are safe, You are good. You are loved because of what Christ has done on the cross for us. Trust him. Second. Second, we need to redefine our way to rest. And I think this one's challenged me quite a bit this week Um, because I know what rest looks like in my life, right? Or or laziness, honestly. I know the things that I run to to that I think are going to recharge me but often leave me even more depleted. We have to redefine our way to to rest. It's more than just TV or sleeping in on the weekend, right? Or an exciting vacation. It's it's more than that. For Jesus, it's delighting in what is good and things that enrich, that that build you and others up. It's not just just sitting around. Sometimes it's doing work outside your normal routine that fills you. And I know I've I've overlooked this um, in my own life as I thought about the Sabbath and, and rest. But Jesus makes it clear that doing good Caring for the vulnerable, loving others is a healthy picture of what rest looks like for a follower of Christ. It's not just me time. It's not purely self-centered. It's, it's bigger than that. So do I take time in my rest, outside of my normal work, to love the people around me? To love my family and care for them, to love the, the friends that are closest to my life, but also to, to, to love and serve those to whom I get nothing in return. Like, for, for example, now one of the things I thought of with this is, you know, many of you, um, many of you serve here every Sunday, or at least, at least on a regular basis. And there's no doubt, right, when you do that, that makes your life a whole lot busier, right? Because you could do lots of other things with that hour or two hours on a, on a Sunday morning but you choose, you choose to be here and serve instead. But what amazes me is what I hear, what we hear from so many of you who do that regularly, once you get into the rhythm of serving, it actually fills you instead of depleting you. It actually becomes like a source of life and joy rather than just another thing on your to-do list. And so I can't help but wonder, for some of you, if you start work exhausted on Mondays, maybe you need to find a place to serve on Sunday. And whether it's here or someplace else, find someone to live outside of your own perspective, right? Outside of your own narrow window and care for those around us. There are few things more satisfyingly restful than loving and serving others. 
So do we have the right definition of rest? And then finally, embrace better rhythms of rest. Because we all have rhythms of rest, right? We, we do. We get into these ruts, these patterns, all of us do. And, and I, I think, though, that for most of us, it's probably something like, you know, work until you collapse or panic, right? Whichever comes first. Um, and then do something that pretends to be restful that doesn't actually fill you, right? And then start over and try again, right? We wonder why we're so exhausted. We all have rhythms of rest. We just need better ones. And the ones that scripture lays out for us, I mean, just, just to be quick here, daily, weekly, and yearly rhythms. We see these all over the place in, in scripture for us. So, so daily rest, for example, the, the Bible talks regularly about us as humans beginning and ending our day every day with prayer, which is rest, right? I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's rest before God. It's, it's saying to God that, God, you, you hold the universe and it gives God a moment to speak into your life to quiet the murmur. You've got, if you want to rest, you have got to, you just have to. You have to begin and end your day with prayer. You have to do it. And you have to remember the words of the psalmist when it comes to this. The psalmist writes, it's one of my favorite verses. I don't know if it's just completely selfish that I love this one, but it's, it's so beautiful. Actually, I read it uh, to my son and he just started laughing. He just couldn't believe it was in the Bible. Um, the psalmist says, in vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. And he loves you. And he wants you to go to sleep. And actually get the, get the rest that your body needs. Like, don't try to cheat it. I mean, think about that for a moment. That part of your obedience to Christ is just go to bed. Like, that, that's part. We forget that we're creatures, right? We think that we can, we're above this and we're so busy. We want to tackle the world and accomplish everything. But for some of us, simply what we need to do is say, you know what? I trust you, God. I'm going to go to sleep. You know why, God? Because you give sleep to those you love and you love me. And I can tell you there have been plenty of nights tossing and turning, going over my schedule in my head or the, the things that distract me and stress me out. And I will literally say over and over again in my mind, you give sleep those you love. You give sleep to those you love. That we, we need to give daily our weariness back to God. Daily, but also, also weekly. Weekly rhythms of rest. I mean, a day off is just a really good idea. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Um, I and mean, we could debate, like, and I know Christians sometimes do, like, is the Sabbath applicable for Christians? And do we have to take a day off? And maybe you, maybe you heard some of those debates, right? You've been a part of, maybe you have. If you're a church person, you've experienced some of that. If you're not, then, well, yeah, you're better off in some ways. Um, but we, get, we, we debate this. And I mean, can you just, like, pause for a second? As I was thinking this week, it's like, how ridiculous is that that we argue about that? I mean, I can see arguing about Jesus' statements on money or sex, right? Of course we're going to argue about those. But rest? I mean, just, just imagine a scenario for me, with me for a second. Like, imagine if there was something you'd always wanted your whole life, and, and you've, been, you've been pushing for it, and it's always been out of reach, and you've just, frankly, you've just given hope, up hope that it's even possible, but you keep giving your life to this one thing, and you just want it so bad, right? But you can't get it. And now somebody comes to you and says, you know what? You, well, you, I, you can have it. This is, this is, this is for you. You, you, can, you can grab onto this thing. And then we're like, uh, well, do I have to? Like, am I, am I required to? Is it a law that I... I mean, it's just stupid, isn't it? It is a gift God has given us 
that we can rest, that we can trust that He is God and we are not, that we can quiet, He can quiet the eternal inner murmur of self-reproach. I mean, it made it into His top 10 list for crying out loud. And yes, okay, if you're going to do this, it means working harder the other six days, doesn't it? For some of us, it means working a lot harder those six days. But it also might mean that we find a little bit more joy in those six days because we know that there's a real respite coming. That there's a real place of hope and joy for me, for my family, and time with my God. And we can embrace these rhythms. Just try it. And then yearly, I won't say a lot here, but the Bible is full of uh, like feasts and celebrations. It's just part of their regular rhythm. Um, and for us, the idea of holidays or vacations, I mean, whether, whether you do anything or not or go anywhere or not, it's important to have longer seasons in which we stop and thank God that we're not slaves. That we don't have to toil to find our meaning and significance in life. I mean, there, there have been times feeling overwhelmed and overworked and exhausted where our family, we've left on vacation and we've thought, oh gosh, there's so much more uh, we should, should have done um, in leaving. Where we've literally in the car, we've prayed, God, thank you that we're not slaves to these things. That you give us permission. You call us into a life of rest. And that we can embrace that. And thank him that this murmur has been silenced. And that's where I want to end. We don't just need better rhythms, right? Better practices or habits. You don't just need less work. I mean, keep praying for it, I guess. It's probably not going to happen, right? Um, what we need is the Lord of rest. He died to free you from your slavery to sin, from, your, from yourself and, and from, from your schedules and what we anticipate or ask our schedules to do for us. He died to silence the eternal inner murmur of self-reproach so that even when life is full of chaos, and it will be, and even when you have too much to do, and you do, even then your soul can be at rest because that's his work and he never stops. <clears throat> The Lord Jesus never quits at his work. He never rests from it. And he, not only does he silence the murmur, but he replaces it with a new voice. Can you hear it? Where he says, I am the Lord of rest. You are good. You are safe. You are love. I have died and risen again to give you life. Do you hear it? Breathe it in and rest. Let's pray. Oh, God, we are such restless people. God, I, I pray that you would convict us, challenge us, but also give us hope. God, I, I pray for every, every person here this morning, myself included, help us, help us to see two things. Help us to see first how our hurry and weariness, the continual pace that we subject ourselves to and subject our kids to, God, help us to see that it's destroying us. That, it, that it's, it's a disaster for our families and for our relationships and for our relationship with you. Help us to see that. But please don't leave us there. Help us also to see what you call us into and to know that we, we can actually embrace the life that you called us to, that you died to give us that we can see even pockets of rest in our own days, in our own weeks, in our own years, not simply in activity or laziness or selfishness, God, and forgive us there too, forgive me, but ways that we can honor you by trusting in the God of rest.
And God, even as we continue our time this morning, God, would we, as we listen to this song, would we reflect on who you've made us to be and rest in you? I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.